Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with the Javier and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton, and we hope that coming up, we're going to make this Monday go by a lot. The next three hours, Cole Kubelik will join us. There we go. Cole Kubelik will join us. Plus, uh, plenty of college football reaction and NFL takes, much more. The World Cup is underway where the states, the red, white, and blue, we lead 1-0 over Wells right now at the half. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Ready for uh, a big day on the show, a short week. On the show, a way shorter week for many of you out there as you get ready for Thanksgiving. I want to wish you a very early happy Thanksgiving. Um, Same to you. Happy uh, holidays. Merry uh, Christmas. Uh, also, happy New Year and <laughs> and happy Easter. Let's get them all out of the way right here on this Monday show leading into Thanksgiving weekend. It was an eventful weekend in football. We thought it was going to be, uh, what do they call it, a statement Saturday in college football that was going to be kind of ho-hum, teams with a chance to, to win big. And uh, yeah. in the night game, you had one team uh, eliminate themselves from the college football playoff, that team being Tennessee, getting run off the field by South Carolina's offense and a miserable defensive performance for Tennessee. And then you had the scare with TCU and Baylor, the close scare with Michigan, Illinois. It turned out to be a very eventful day. And USC, UCLA, we previewed it last week, Hutton. That was a game where Caleb Williams could announce his presence as someone who could win the Heisman, and that's what happened, and a big win for the Trojans. Yeah, and and Caleb Williams was fantastic in that matchup against UCLA. And Chad, you think about how USC won that game, forty-eight, forty-five. Michigan survives against Illinois. Ohio State for a while, it was interesting. I, it wasn't nearly as a, a nail biter as what Michigan went through, but you're thinking like, okay, TCU wins late. And they, they win another close one that they had really no business winning based on how they played and performed against their opponent this week in Baylor. Chad, in thinking about the, the way Tennessee performed in the exact opposite fashion, it's not like they lost on the last second field goal here. That's what's so disappointing. Of course, the Hendon Hooker injury, Heisman uh, hopeful, maybe a Heisman favorite in the eyes of several of the voters. The fact that they're now, they've bowed out of this conversation Clemson's now back in it, just like that. Clemson has a path now because you're not going to have the opportunity to make the argument for two SEC teams right now, unless LSU pulls this massive upset down the stretch. Well, Clemson's not going to have that opportunity if Spencer Rattler looks like a Heisman Trophy winner again this week against them, but that's probably not going to happen. But that win helps because it's Clemson, not, though. Yeah, it's gonna, because right now South Carolina's a borderline top 25 team. Yeah, um, yeah. Clemson's going to have an opportunity from the Tennessee perspective, I watch that game and think, oh, this was the team that I thought they m- might be coming into the season 
where you're going to have two or three performances where they just can't stop anyone. Didn't expect it against South Carolina. That's averaged 20 points per game in SEC play. That, that was The disappointing part was it was a completely looked ill-prepared, uninspired performance on one side of the ball. 38 points on the road with no turnover should win you the game. Yes. If you're Tennessee, their offense wasn't that bad. They weren't great, but they were not bad at all. Um, but giving up 63, 11 possessions for South Carolina, nine touchdowns, one punt, and then took a knee to end the game on the 11th possession. That is utterly pathetic for Tennessee. So they eliminated themselves in the playoff. They still got a New Year's Six bowl game to play for, but they're going to have to be better on defense if they're going to beat Vanderbilt on Saturday. Who thought we'd be saying that going into the last week of the season with Vandy now winning two straight games? TCU, though, Hutton, that is the team of destiny right now. If you want to look at it and say, who has that mojo? Who has something truly special going on? It's TCU who inexplicably runs the football with 20 seconds left, doesn't get the first down on third down. They can't spike it on fourth. They've got to rush their kick team off. And I don't care what anyone says. They were not prepared for that. No. Because their offense is standing up, taking their time, until they see the coaches frantically waving them off and the kick team on. They get out there. Baylor screwed it up by not taking more time to sub. They rush their subs out there, too. And they nail the field goal at the last but second. Aside from it. that, though, not even the, the field goal, I'm with you. It, things came together perfectly for a, a, a team that didn't look all that prepared for that moment. And they pull it off anyway. That's where I, I understand where you're coming from, the team of destiny stuff. But they continue to do this week after week after week, right? Like offensively uh, against Texas, they, they, they win a different way. And against Baylor, it was they're winning the way that they've you know, they've been trending all season with this. If Overcoming an eight-point deficit in the fourth quarter, they miss the two-point conversion, they get a stop after kicking the field goal as time expired, and then you've got all of that after giving up 14 points in the first six minutes of the of the fourth. Um, it's, it's remarkable how the Frogs continue to win and make a statement. And at some point, you ha- like I, I can't make excuses and say, well, they're not that good. I mean, they've got... Where's Duggan now on the Heisman talk? This guy's in the clutch. He's making big plays. And I, I'll, I've told you last week, I'm finally getting around to actually watching them more than just flipping around channels whenever the game I'm watching is not being played. Like, they, they are legitimately... Are they this year's Cincinnati or are they better? That's what I don't know. But they're legitimately in the playoff right now. And there's no, like... Well, how does their resume match up with this team or this team? They're in, and rightfully so, based on how they continue to get off the mat and win games. They hit you hard, too. They're clutch. One thing I noticed about them is when they meet you in the in the hole, you're going backwards. I'm impressed with the physicality of that TCU defense. Uh, I was impressed with Baylor on, on Saturday, too. It's I don't know that they're Cincinnati of this year, Um I could see a Cincinnati outcome in the playoff, though. That's what I. Yeah. If it's Georgia, they play, where I think it was twenty-seven to six. Cincinnati lost a year ago, if I remember correctly, against Alabama. I could see a similar type final score against Georgia's defense for for TCU. Doesn't make it any any less impressive 
They've been terrific in year one for Sonny Dykes. And it's crazy, you know, as uh, someone who went to Tennessee, I found myself rooting against USC and TCU for so long. And then once Tennessee lost, I'm now rooting for them. (laughs) Because at least then you can say, well, Tennessee didn't really lose a spot in the playoff. They weren't going to have it anyways because USC won the Pac-12 with one loss and TCU went undefeated. And then you're going to have the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia as the other two. But at least, like, and I, I agree with you. It, it felt like USC, a one-loss USC, based on their path, was going to have a final statement resume type performance. But at least you can make the argument. And, and pretty well, there by would the have way. Been a, there would have been a debate. Even I still think the USC would have been in as a one-loss but, Pac-12 champ. But think about like the recent guests we've had on who are, are not flying the flag for the Southeastern Conference. Even they would admit that Tennessee's one of the four best teams going yeah. into last week. Yeah. And then if you're a Vols fan, you're watching these other teams nearly lose. Like TCU's on the brink. Of, oh, here comes their first loss. Illinois has Michigan. And Michigan pulls Ohio out that Ohio State was in a dogfight with Maryland. Yes. And you're thinking, okay, like, win out. Win the next two. Don't have a, a – don't stub your toe the way these teams are doing. Vols are going to the college football playoff. And then they end up being the one team that doesn't slam the door. Um, and I don't think the Vols were sleepwalking. I've heard that a lot. Like, oh, they just didn't show up. Or they, the moment got too big for them. Or the – or the crowd, I, I, they don't play well on the road. They, they crowd answered, wasn't a factor. They didn't have any false starts or but any, the any moment problems itself, with that this like, time. Uh, offensively, they answered multiple times throughout that game. Even I'm, I'm even looking at the uh, if, the score whenever Hooker gets hurt in the early the fourth quarter. Like you're, they're in that. There's still momentum to where you're like, yeah. they're going to go win this game. I mean, it's thirty after the Princeton fan touchdown. It's thirty five thirty one midway through the third quarter, and Tennessee was still a heavy betting favorite to win the game. At that point, after they scored to make it a four-point yeah. game. In the next drive, they don't face but one third down. Not a fourth down. Third down. And they march right down the field in nine or ten plays and score a touchdown. They're up 11. And South Carolina never looks back at that point. I mean, that was a clear sign of that was one side of the ball losing Tennessee a chance at the playoff. It's really that simple. I, I, it's inexplicable how poorly they played. Now, looking back, Tennessee has won in spite of their defense. A lot this year. They've had some great performances. LSU, Kentucky, great defensive performances. But for the most part in the tough games, they've been able to win in spite of the defense. An example was a week ago against Missouri where Brady Cook has a career game rushing the ball from quarterback. This game, they just couldn't overcome it because the defense was so bad. Tennessee was going to not be able to score enough to keep up with touchdowns on every possession for South Carolina. And look, credit South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. This guy was the Vegas betting favorite a year ago to win the Heisman coming off of 2020. He was terrible. He got booed out of his own program at Oklahoma. He went to South Carolina. He's been average at South Carolina. For one night, to the detriment of Vols fans everywhere, to the detriment of anyone wanting Tennessee in that playoff over anyone else, Spencer Rattler played like a Heisman Trophy winner. He was perfect. He was great. He did not miss a single throw all night. Tennessee didn't do enough to affect him, but he made every play. So credit to him. Also, I mean, take into account as well, like going back to your, your defensive note there, like the Vols are, you, know, you mentioned we can go to Oregon, we can talk about Oregon or UCLA. Defensively, though, the one constant with the championship caliber teams is defense. The one thing you've got to be able to lean on is defense. Clemson won with defense that year. Uh, Alabama certainly has. Oklahoma, Georgia, 
defense. And I'm not saying that, oh, the, the high-octane offense can't win a title. But what you can't do is expect to win week in and week out without playing a little defense more uh, consistently. And the Vols have been getting a couple of different stops, right, than what we saw from a year ago. But the difference is when they absolutely had to have one late to allow the betting favorite in the fourth quarter, Tennessee, because of their offense, to catch up and then take the lead, the defense could not just get off the field. That's what's so troubling with this. And that was the big difference in this game. The other ones you mentioned, other games where they weren't very good, they still got the stop or two just or one, forced two, a turnover. Yeah, just one. And it was just breaking the serve once or twice that gave Tennessee's offense enough time to put 10 quick points on the board or 14 quick points. Yeah. And then it was a different game. that They never gave them that opportunity in this game. They're going to go play Vanderbilt now. They're going to have a chance to have a good game defensively. Uh, they're going to have to completely turn it around or you're going to be – talking about Tennessee season very differently after this next week if they just stop playing with two games left because they go lose to Vandy that that's what it certainly looks like let me bring up this one point too Clemson early on under Dabo Sweeney and I compare this early Tennessee team to those Taj Boyd quarterbacked Clemson teams early on they got all the way to a a BCS bowl a New Year's Six bowl I think it was BCS the time and they played West Virginia They gave up 70 points to West Virginia. It got Kevin Steele fired as defensive coordinator. It also got him where he was going to get another job somewhere. I forget where. And they rescinded the offer. It was that embarrassing. This 63-point outing had those vibes. I don't know that Josh Heupel feels like that's enough to let Tim Banks go and go in a different direction on defense. But there were similar vibes to early Clemson. If Tennessee wants to become late Clemson, if that's the comparison, and get themselves in a place where they're going to multiple playoffs and competing for SEC titles, this, at the end of this year, could be a turning point. I'm not willing to go that far unless I see Tennessee go out and play terrible once again on defense and lose to Vandy. Then I think everyone raise their hand and say, you got to make a move of defensive coordinator. If your offense is going to be this good and your defense is going to continue to cost you games, you got to do something different. I'm not ready to go there yet. I just want that in the back of everyone's minds on a comparison point because that's a decision Dabo Sweeney had to make and he had to make it in the, in the face of, of embarrassment, giving up 70 to West Virginia in a bowl game. So just keep that in mind. We will uh, continue the college football discussion in a moment. Uh, Chad, many coaches, former GMs, current GMs, analysts across the NFL will tell you that it's around week 11 where teams truly start to turn a corner and establish themselves as contenders. If you buy that, the Chiefs absolutely, they plant the flag last night in Los Angeles against the Chargers um, as Justin Herbert did everything he possibly could to get a win. And then Mahomes took over, drove down in six plays and scores the game-winning touchdown to Kelsey, who had six catches, the final three of those, all touchdowns. And... The Dallas Cowboys and what they did a week after what we saw from the Vikings in Buffalo. Vegas always knows, don't they? They the Cowboys, always know. who were a slight favorite, like a five and a half point favorite a week prior to Green Bay and gave up a 14 point win or a loss um, in a comeback win for the Packers. A week later, utterly destroy the Minnesota Vikings. That's the largest margin of victory for the Cowboys on the road in franchise history. It's the worst home loss for the Vikings since like 19, 
60 or 69, something like that. I mean, it's, it's been a while. And what we saw from both the Chiefs and the Cowboys, I think, put a lot of teams on notice right now because you've got the Vikings. The Vikings are a good team. The Cowboys are now included in this discussion with Philadelphia, who survive in Indianapolis. Meanwhile, in a back-and-forth AFC, the Chiefs have really hit another level. And for Mahomes to have not lost a road game in the division and for them to have not lost a game in November or December, now 25 consecutive games, they are the team to beat yet again. And how quickly they're back in the, the big spotlight after we've seen a couple losses from Buffalo and um, some up and down play from Baltimore. And you look around going, okay, what about Tennessee? What about Miami? It's KC. You still got to go through Arrowhead. And there's got to be a team emerge like we saw from Joe Burrow and the Bengals last year to do it. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, we take a look at the updated top 25 from the results across college football. And we'll go game by game with some of the bigger results with some of our best takeaways from the weekend. We'll keep you updated on the World Cup as well, where USA, we are currently, are we still at the half, Davey? Yeah, still at the half with a one nothing lead as they're beginning the second half. Ten minutes into the in, second uh, half, guitar. it like. Okay, I'm trying to update the scoreboard now. Um, we'll continue the updates and football discussion next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Tennessee falls to South Carolina and USC. They top UCLA. Biggest win of the weekend right there at 48-45, Chad, as we take a look at... Best game uh, of the weekend. Recapping the, the games from your top 10 games going into the weekend where that 48-45 victory and Caleb Williams now leading the way... And what we've seen from Lincoln Riley and the about face with the Trojan program. They've got Notre Dame coming up, but this is their path into the college football playoff. It's right there in front of them now. Yeah, and and this is, uh, to recap, this is my 10 games coming into the weekend. I'm sure someone said, well, how is Tennessee losing to South Carolina? Not one of the top 10 outcomes. It is. This is a recap of what I had as the 10 games of the week. There is something gorgeous about Southern Cal and UCLA both wearing their colors mm. in that game with the the maroon and the UCLA blue going head-to-head in the field is amazing. Pac-12 with two great great games at the top. Defensive battle, but Oregon beating Utah 20-17. to 
terrific bounce back for Oregon after losing to Washington. Oklahoma State doesn't have a prayer uh, right now with their quarterback situation. And Oklahoma put it on them on Saturday. We mentioned the TCU wild one, 29-28. All of the talk now about Lane Kiffin and some of the message board chatter with Ole Miss and Auburn about <laughs> looks like a lame duck coach out there and he's already taking the Auburn job and then Ole Miss people saying, oh, this is great because now Lane's losing so Auburn can leave him alone and he can stay at, at Ole Miss. Regardless, Arkansas, a good example of a team that hasn't had the season they wanted that is sticking with it and having good performances and good outcomes later in the year. That was a really good home win for them. And Hutton, how about Iowa-Minnesota? Exactly what we expected. A tidy 13-10 to game. Probably played, I watched about two plays in this game, but I'm willing to bet it was played in about two hours and 20 minutes between these two. Uh, just going back to Oregon and their win over Utah, Cam Rising is so up and down with his play. Um, knowing that he's the quarterback that threw for, what, 400 yards in the upset win against USC and what was another great game back and forth. In this one, you're just looking for a spark, and he has 170 yards, three interceptions. Uh, meanwhile, Bo Nix, 287 yards and uh, a touchdown despite a lower leg injury. I think among the, the quarterbacks across the country, and I, in large part, I think it's due to the inaccuracy and up-and-down play at Auburn. But Bo Nix is not that much of a, a national storyline. But what he's done this year is surprising to me. You know, he's out at Auburn as a legacy player. He's a third-generation legacy quarterback. And he's playing now at a, a program where they get boat raced in week one against Georgia. And it's just kind of an afterthought at that point. And he continues to, to lead that offense. Uh, even though he struggled at times recently, um, he's still doing it and playing through injury and, and playing well for, compared to what we're used to seeing from him. It's, it's not, um, it's gotten to the point where it's, it's almost more commonplace to see a transfer yeah. in the Heisman or top statistical category that didn't get it right at the first stop, that got it right the second go around than it is to see a guy stay with the program the entire time and, and get it right. Bo Nix is a good example, but look around. Caleb Williams. Sure. Transfer, transfer from Hendon Hooker transferred from Virginia Tech. Stetson Bennett, junior college, or actually went to a four-year school, then junior college, walked on, now at Georgia. Uh, C.J. Stroud's the only lifer that's really in that quarterback Heisman discussion that went to a school, stayed there, and is now poised to possibly win a Heisman trophy or certainly going to be a finalist. So, even going back to Jalen Hurts going from Bama to Oklahoma, there's so many examples of this happening. But Bo Nix has done a great job at Oregon. We always saw the ability his freshman year. I mean, he shot out of a cannon those first few starts at Auburn when he started as a true freshman. And with his lineage, with who his dad is for that Auburn program, you're thinking, yeah. this guy's going to be an all-time campus legend. It just never worked out at Auburn for him, but it's it's certainly working out now in Eugene. A couple of uh, takeaways here from some other finals that are on your list. Let's start with Texas. You know, I, I, that's one they either just mail in against Kansas on the road or they handle Kansas the way they did at 55-14. You know, I don't know which multi-loss team is better right now. Is it what we saw from Baylor or is it Texas? But Texas, with the way they pounded Kansas in this game, to me, shows that they're still on the right track. We had that big conversation last week about after that loss to TCU, what would they look like with Steve Sarkeesian and knowing what's coming 
with Manning coming into town. This is great. We had that. Um, we do the Vegas rankings every week, and last week there was one name in the top ten that I thought was a misprint, so I didn't even say it. We went through it. It was Texas, who has four losses. Yes, I they think. do now. And they were seventh in head-to-head neutral field Vegas line, which shows what Vegas still thinks about Texas. Boy, they looked every bit the the place of a top ten team on yes. Saturday going to Kansas. And whipping the Jayhawks the way they did, impressive performance. Look, Steve Sarkeesian's in no trouble. And we had that debate. We're talking about at that time, they're now 12 and 11. He's he's 12 and 11 at Texas over his two years. But they lost to Kansas the year before, a historically bad loss to that Kansas program. They were going to Kansas this year. They just got done with a horrible offensive performance against TCU. And you're thinking, what has he done on the field? The recruiting's been great. Arch Manning coming in. That is enough reason to hold on to someone and hope for brighter days. That's a good step in the right direction also on Saturday with that beatdown of Kansas. Georgia has allowed just 68 points in their last six games, all of those conference games. But when you see the final score of 16-6 to against Kentucky, to me it does not clearly indicate, having watched this, what Kentucky looked like to me on that field um, in Lexington. Chad, I, at no point did I think they were winning that game. And there were points where I think Kentucky just mailed it in, despite the fact that it was 16-6 in the final. So a respectable score, but I, I didn't think that Kentucky was off the mat from their loss to, to Vanderbilt a week earlier. I, that was a weird game. Um, it was. It, you're right in that it felt like it should have been way... That point differential is 16-6. Feels like it was way more than that, right? It feels like it was a Georgia blowout. And it was a play thought, away from being 23 yeah, nothing on that Kentucky, fourth down stop. Yeah, and I thought Kentucky played well defensively in the game, did what they needed to. Will Levis didn't do much more to show me anything in that game against Georgia's defense. Didn't really expect that. But you see that final score, and you think, what? 16-6 to does not feel right in that game. But credit Kentucky's defense, which I thought... I said it, I, we, I, we talked about Kentucky covering, and I felt good about that coming into that game because one thing about Mark Stoops and his guys, they have pride. I felt like coming mm. off that embarrassment at home to Vanderbilt, they were going to come out with some pride and some effort in that game. They did that on defense. Their offense just isn't good enough. I mean, it's not going to get good enough this year. We know that. Defensively, they are good enough, and they showed some of that on Saturday. Wildcats just 3 of 11 on third down. One of three on fourth down. And uh, by the way, Georgia with another win. Uh, well, I take that back. We are with their win. They're now the third SEC team since 1992 to post back-to-back unbeaten conference records in the regular season. The other teams to do it were Alabama and Florida in their championship runs. It's frightening because the moment, and I don't think Alabama's going anywhere either, but Alabama with two losses, you know, they're not going to play in the playoff this year. Didn't win the national title last year. You know, how dare they? <laughs> they lost the national championship game. but this a rebuild. Stuff, that was that rebuild season. Now the rebuild's in two years where they're going to go 10-2 and two this year in their second rebuilding year. But it is scary to think about how Georgia may now be Bama for the foreseeable future. They're going to finish with the number one recruiting class in the country again. Georgia is this upcoming year. That is a program under Kirby Smart that is built for the long haul. That is going to be in the national championship picture every single year. He is such a good defensive coach. 
and gets those guys ready every game on defense, that's a scary program to watch. And Chad, the 42-27 win by Arkansas, and you were alluding to this on how they got off the map after their loss to Liberty. How, I mean, the, the Rebels have two 200-yard rushers in this game, and their offense totaled 703 yards of total offense, and they lose the game. And it's not even that close. I think that might be the most deceptive final score, believe it or not. 42-27. This was a 36-point game in the third quarter. What was it? Uh, this was L- a Lane route. Kiffin. Lane Kiffin was asked about, you know, you've been reported to be the leader at Auburn. <laughs> he said, well, I don't know about any of this leader talk, and maybe they changed their mind after they watched that first half. <laughs> What's his line? Um, look, Auburn should try to hire Lane Kiffin. Uh, we've seen... We're going to have a, a big SEC discussion, Hutton. I know you've talked, you, you came yes. up with questions around every program. We're going to talk about ceilings with different programs. I'm very confident saying that we've seen Ole Miss's ceiling with Lane Kiffin. And it's not a bad ceiling. Going to a Sugar Bowl and winning 10 games is a fine ceiling to have. Some programs would love to have that ceiling. I don't think it's going any higher. I know that the ceiling is higher at Auburn. That's really the difference between those two programs. It's not a huge difference. But there is a difference between the two. But Sam Pittman and Arkansas, we've asked questions about their decline this year, even with K.J. Jefferson, who's battled injuries. That is, if that defensive performance for Kentucky is a sign of a strong program under Mark Stoops, which I think it is, I I take that to heart also. That not having the season they wanted, they came out and pounded Ole Miss at home in that game. And Ole Miss has had a great year. And Arkansas did that to them in Fayetteville. Very impressive and a good job of sticking with it for Sam Pittman's guys. Three big injuries of, of note this weekend. Of course, with Hendon Hooker tearing his ACL, he's, his college career is done. Blake Corum, running back from Michigan, uh, exits with injury. You've also got uh, Quinton Johnston from TCU yep. that is hurt as well. One of the top receivers in the entire country. So, you know, how does that factor in now for both Michigan and TCU and those programs trying to win one more, get to a conference championship game, and make a statement going into the college football playoff. Let's take a look at the Week 13 AP Top 25. And, Chad, you see TCU remains at four, but it's USC that jumps into the Tennessee spot at five. Again, we'll, we'll have the college football playoff rankings tomorrow night. But Tennessee falls to nine, and USC jumps LSU and that was the big question, was based on positioning, how do you get ahead of not just LSU, but Tennessee? Well, Tennessee falls out, and the AP has voted USC in. Will the, will the committee do the same? So, just big picture, what would the committee want? If I really said, okay, coming into the year, what's the ideal four-team playoff that you get at the end of the year? For television purposes, for... Um, you know, unity of the nation and everything else and all the conferences being happy, it's tough to argue against SEC champ, Big Ten champ, Big 12 champ, Pac-12 champ. We're headed that way now. I don't think TCU's losing. After this Saturday, they are not going to lose. That is a team that will find a way, and if they don't find a way, some supernatural force will find a way for them to win the game. They're going undefeated. They're going to be in the playoff, and USC, I think, is on that same collision course. They got to get past a, a tough Notre Dame defense this weekend. They got to win the Pac 12 championship. But 
I know it's TCU and that's not the biggest following, but think about that, Hutton. You get Southeast, you get Midwest Power in Ohio State or Michigan, the winner of that one. You get a team from the state of Texas in the Southwest, and you get Lincoln Riley in year one returning the pride to Troy at Southern Cal in Los Angeles, coast to coast, different regions of the country. People are going to sit around and complain about too many SEC teams and SEC fatigue that way. Um, I think that's pretty ideal for the committee and for ESPN, who carries those games. Yep, It doesn't get much better than that from a cross-sectional sense. Now, will TCU be able to play with Georgia if they play? I mean, I'd like to see USC and Georgia playing a first-round playoff game. That, that's interesting to me with Caleb Williams and Stetson Bennett and that offense versus that defense and everything with it. Um, there's not a lot of bad possibilities. Now, we've really weeded through most every possibility now that Tennessee is out. I think Tennessee threw in the biggest curveballs because of comparison if they finish with one loss with a lot of these teams. But now that they've eliminated themselves, you're really down to, what, six teams maybe, maybe Clemson. North Carolina, by the way, losing to Georgia Tech. Allowing 21 unanswered to Georgia Tech and a third-string QB. That was the worst loss of the weekend. Tennessee was the most surprising, and the margin was surprising. Well, But to me, that was the worst because Georgia Tech is with an interim coach. They're just right. limping through right. the end of the season. And, and North Carolina still had an outside shot at winning the ACC with one loss. Yeah, but the, they did, they weren't getting in the playoff, though. I don't think so, Based either. on where the committee had Clemson them. might, though. Outside but, shot. Yeah, but Clemson wasn't getting in either if USC and Tennessee kept winning. Even even if TCU fell out. At least, again, I'm just basing it on where they were. They were behind Bama, right? So I'm just trying to figure out how do you jump Bama and LSU if you're an ACC team and you have multiple teams ahead of you that are positioned better based on current results, even if you feel like you're the better team. Um now they're up to seven of the eight people. I'm curious where the committee will have LSU this week, Chad. That's that's all. I need to know that tomorrow because if, and I doubt they drop from where they are, which is sixth. But if you've got USC just taking the Tennessee spot, and Clemson now after getting back in it, that they need to be within six or seven in order to make a jump with a a big upset this weekend because you know Michigan or Ohio State's falling down. But they wouldn't fall down b- below Clemson, right? So I think Clemson needs to be ahead of LSU to say they have a legitimate chance at the college football playoff. Because that spot gives you more reason to allow them to skip line if you really believe they're a better team as you analyze everything from a conference championship win for them. I just think they're too far down. What is the... Um, I know the American, the AAC has a championship... Yes. Is that is that a division or is that a top two team scenario? Because Tulane and Cincinnati, I only ask because Tulane or Cincinnati will get an automatic New Year Six right. bowl bid, and I, I've seen different projections that have Tennessee versus either Tulane or Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl right now. If Tennessee beats Vandy, um, but that just depends on what people are projecting is going to happen with that championship because they're two spots behind right now. Tulane is the highest group of five team in that ranking. But that that's an interesting one to follow because one of those teams are going to be in a primetime bowl game, the one who finishes ahead of the other. And are you like me? I'm, I'm sure at, in the moment you're, you're wanting Michigan to go ahead and drop out against Illinois. I wanted Michigan to keep winning. 
Because I want Ohio State-Michigan this weekend to mean a spot in the college football playoff. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. If Ohio State loses, I still think there's a path for them to get in. But if, if things go the way we saw last year and Michigan pulls the upset, they've played their way into it because who they're going to play, to your point about Tulane, who they're going to play in their conference championship is not going to be near the quality of the team they would have won against in Ohio State next or this Saturday. So I, I didn't want the shine to be off of that game. After all the discussion about, well, it doesn't matter that they're, they're, they're ranked second and third in the college football playoff because one of those two teams is going to lose. And I, I do feel like this is a de facto play-in game, just like Tennessee-Georgia felt at the time. It's, um, it's great drama. I mean, I'm glad. I wanted Illinois to win. Boy, Brett Bielema was pissed off at the officiating in that game at halftime and postgame with everything he had to say. I'm sure the Big Ten's going to hate that. Um, it's almost as good as Lane Kiffin reading the text from Jackson Dart's mom saying that, well, it's not me saying it about them wanting someone to win. This is from my quarterback's mom. Um, yeah, Michigan-Ohio State is, is – you want that with the start of the year, believing this was going to be two teams undefeated meeting again at the end of the year. To get to that now on Thanksgiving weekend, it's, it's perfect. Now, if Ohio State loses a close game – Versus Michigan, I think Michigan losing, they're probably out right. without like TCU losing, yeah, USC losing, multiple teams losing around them that's behind them. But if Ohio State loses a close game, that's going to be an interesting call against some of those one-loss teams. Yeah, I think they fall to four before conference championship weekend. And then, I mean, are you leaving out, who are you leaving out? USC, one loss? Yeah, I think it would be USC based on the fact that TCU continues to be... Big 12. Yeah, uh, TCU continues to be rewarded week after week for hanging on. We Um, we say this now, and we've seen TCU win in improbable fashion over and over again, so I don't think they're going to lose, but these things have a way of working it out. They do. We said it before this weekend, and then look, South Carolina beats Tennessee, and now this next week, USC may lose to Notre Dame, and something else is going to happen, and... Come, you know, that Sunday morning after the championship weekend, we're going to look up and say, boy, that was really easy to pick those four. There were four teams in a big separation with five, six, and seven. It could be the easiest decision ever. Well, and you've got, you know, McNamara last year for Michigan who can throw the football. McCarthy, uh, when asked, is it, it's a struggle in the passing game. Now with Corum injured, you know, it, it, I think he's in the last six games, five games, uh, McCarthy has thrown for more than 166 yards in a game one time, and it was this past week against Illinois. Credit to him, though. They drove down and got points when they had to, and they win to stay alive in the unbeatens, and we get the battle in the game, the battle of unbeatens between Ohio State and Michigan. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, an update from the World Cup, and we will, again, uh, look back on the college football weekend from the perspective of some – Timely upsets from South Carolina's stance. And how about Vanderbilt? Two straight wins in the SEC. We'll dive into those topics. Plus, we'll give you an update for for USA and where we are in the World Cup right now. There's an update. It's coming up on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Monday edition. Chad, give us the World Cup update. It is tied at one right now. Team USA versus Wales. One to one. Gareth Bale with a penalty kick in. And it is tied in the 90th minute. So we're getting close um, to stoppage time. Extra time. ET. Extra time. Getting all my soccer lingo in Chad, one, one update one for those new to the show uh if you're listening across the on the great radio station across the network um chad has a a way of just betting on a draw in soccer and normally wins there's yeah it's usually in the russian soccer federation i think is what i found <laughs> on on my betting app but if you go in and see a game that's either tied or there's a one goal differential i like to go in about halfway through that match and just bet on the draw and I'm not even joking, it's a 90% win chance that it will end up in a draw, even if there's a one-goal separation at any point. Take those odds and take the draw in soccer. Look, I'm as patriotic as anyone. I am rooting hard for Team yeah, USA to yeah. do well, to get out of this group stage. Uh, but with my limited knowledge of the World Cup and what I'm reading on Twitter right now, if they draw in this game, they are likely to not make it out of the group stage based on what's ahead. Well, they have this England. was one they needed to win. We have the Brits coming up, right? That's yes. Friday. And then Iran a week from tomorrow in Group B. So We've the, got the game on, too. The so thinking we're gonna... is that it's, I'm guessing, it's going to be England and either Wales or the U.S. is the thought, okay. getting out of this group in the top two. Let's I, go, I guess. I don't think Iran is very good, but again... This is where we need Colin Warner, uh, who is our resident yes. international soccer expert. It looks like we're, there's nine minutes of additional time coming up. I here. did see where the Iranian team uh, did not acknowledge the Iranian national anthem today, which is going to be big problems for them when they go well, back to their country. So what? So uh, Qatar officials are uh, they are paying people to show up to their uh, their nation's game, right? Like yesterday or something. Did I read that right? Like, I mean, that sounds trying sounds to right. fill that a tracks. stadium because there's so many empty seats for their game compared to what we're seeing right now between USA and Wales, which is loud and dramatic and everything you would think. Kind of crazy to think of with knowing that two million people are predicted to have traveled there or will travel there. I just saw, I believe Clay Travis tweeted this story out. A Venezuelan sports reporter was doing a live TV hit and had her wallet stolen live on TV. On and camera. The, and guy ran away. Uh, but it was it, maybe she was getting set up and had it happen. Oh. But the Qatari authorities said because of facial recognition with cameras, mm-hmm. they can capture who did it quickly and said she gets to pick the punishment. Whoa. <laughs> and it's either what? it's either five years in prison <laughs> or something else for robbing her. They're going to uh, uh, spin the wheel of punishment like DP? Uh, I get yeah, whatever. But pop, I mean, the punishment was just on. the punishment was also like insane. For stealing a wallet. Oh, you know, you know e- execution is definitely one of their options. Or, you know, uh, stoning of some sort. <laughs> like, I mean, some sort of physical punishment is happening. Yeah. Uh, that, that, my guess is it's not a, it's not a fun what, place to be. What if uh, he had to be her butler, like on Seinfeld? That was the court appointed. <laughs> like, she, while I'm here, this man has to serve as my butler for the entirety of my trip. Uh, Mexico City is the site for Monday Night Football tonight. And it's going to be the Cardinals and the 49ers. Colt McCoy is starting for the Cardinals this evening. If you're looking for, uh, for that, I mean, McCoy did a nice job against the Rams. 
now the 49ers uh, trying if, if they win tonight they are in the postseason I believe is the seventh seed and based on tiebreakers they may be a game up so they may get the sixth seed if they lose if the 49ers lose currently we will wake up tomorrow and currently the entire NFC East will be in the postseason because Washington also continues to win for their sake they had the Texans yesterday and they take care of business regardless of how that game was going to go. The Texans are not going to win. And, and John McClain, who will join us tomorrow, tweeted out, Chad, um, he's seen a lot of bad offenses over his near five decades. And he said that, that this current Texans offense may be the worst offense he's ever watched. Yeah, I'm something. almost ready for them to put in a defensive back or a receiver at <laughs> yeah. quarterback and run the veer. I mean, try anything at this point. That It's, it's snap dreadful. It dur- Damian Pierce had his worst game as a pro, too. They just snap it to Damian Pierce and let him run the Wildcat. I mean, it, it is dreadful to watch that team play offense. Uh, there is nine minutes of extra time, of stoppage time to play, and it is still tied. So, roughly, we've got One about all. six minutes left because this – yeah, they, they – they put the nine up there uh, about three minutes ago, roughly. So we'll see. This is, I, I just wish that we would just count up to exactly, or count down on the stoppage time. If it's nine minutes, if it's 9.15, 9.17, yeah, whatever, you can and just count it. it down. Instead of going up, once you get to the, nine, the stoppage time, just go down. Just for the stoppage time. But what if there's stoppage time in the stoppage time? Do we have to see the 90 minutes too? Like, why do we need the two clocks? Again. I always see it. Once you get to 90, just end it. We know that 90 minutes were played. You and I are in the minority with this. And then go down with the clock after that. You and I are in the the minority with this. Oh, we're ugly Americans, Hutton. We're just a couple of ugly Americans. Too many people love the way it's done. Talking about the beautiful game and uh, that we have no idea what we're talking about. I am watching this, though. I was watching the opening ceremonies and some other things and thinking how close we would, how close we were to being in the backyard of this at the next one um, because Nashville was a finalist for one of the sites for the World Cup. You know what would have been cool about that one too? They would the have dome. sold alcohol at the games. Oh, well, that's Unlike yeah. in Qatar. Cutter. Yeah. Cutter. Cutter. Qatar. However you want to pronounce Not it. Not only they sold it, they would sell out of alcohol. If you have game. a terrible human rights record, then we are allowed to not pronounce the name of your country correctly. That's, that's a new thing. And if we do, we're just getting lucky on that up next china (laughs) headlines next on outkick 360